I'm Jamal Brown, and I'm a freelance game writer, and I run games for money. Tabletop games for okay, money. Okay, so when you say games, what, like, running games for money, I think the number one game people are familiar with is, what, what are you doing? Are you doing poker tournaments in people's garages? Are you doing, what, do, what does game mean to you? What games do you run? So I'm, when I say games, I'm talking tabletop games, tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, okay. uh, Star Wars, um, any of the uh, oh, powered by apocalypse games like Apocalypse World. Yeah, uh, there's a whole ton of games out on YouTube being uh, played and ran and shown. So I write those games um, and I run at conventions. Well, now online, uh, I will run D&D uh, as a service for folks and they pay me money to run games. So, uh, so I want to get back to the paint, getting money for running the games, but because you mentioned the writing thing again, I feel like there's two strands of writing that happens. Um, and they used to be very clearly delineated. Now they're kind of all mixed together as the rule systems have, you know, changed a little bit. Some people write quote unquote adventures and source books, mm -hmm. and some people write entire systems. So the system allows you to run any kind of game within that world but then some people just write a book full of monsters with all the statistics and numbers so you can roll dice to beat those monsters and some people write out adventures telling a person who's running that adventure you start here if they choose to go a this is where you go if they choose to go b this is where you go and then gives you all the stuff you need to be able to explain to the people who are playing the game what do you what does your writing entail of those three things the systems the source books the adventures uh, source books and the adventures, I'm close to systems, but I have not designed a system from the ground up yet. Um, and the, the fad, the fad, the trend, that's a better word. The trend today is to take existing systems and extend them out or uh, use them as frameworks for new games. Um, so there's a game called Apocalypse World uh, that, that's been out for some years now. Yeah. Uh, there's a host of other games built on that framework. Uh, so there's a game called Urban Shadows, which is about supernatural, urban, modern times. It's built on that framework. Uh, there's uh, Monster of the Week, uh, Monster Hearts. Uh, and I could keep going. There's, uh, I don't know, maybe a hundred different other games built on top of that same framework. And they're different enough from each other. They tweak little things, change little things. Sometimes, uh, there are whole big changes, but you can still see the DNA of Apocalypse World underneath in there somewhere. Um, and that seems to be the trend now is to take an existing system and build out something very, spe very specific for your needs. Um, I have done that, but I've not built a whole system yet. So given how much I know you and I've heard you talk about and I've heard what you think about it kind of in depth about how these rules all work together. And I just find it, it's funny. There's like people talk about the great American novel. I feel like every year, every month, there are people out there in the role-playing game world that are trying to make what you describe as apocalypse world has done it. And also people run off the D and D they run off that engine, yes. kind of the engine of those rules. Somebody's everyone has a dream that they could make the perfect rule set that would match all games for all people at all times. It's like that grand unifying theory of physics. They think <laughs> if I came up with just the right rule set, everyone would play all the games in my rule set. Do you aspire to that at all? 
no, I don't even believe in that, right? Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't believe that, right? And th and then people get up in arms, right? And the fire starts and the apocalypse begins. Uh, I don't believe. Yes. So, this is my opinion. Um, but I don't believe that there's one true rule set to rule them all, right? Uh, I think you have individuals that, hey man, uh, I like how the D and D rule set works. I want to play for everything. I know it. Uh, it feels good. Uh, I'm going to play Star Wars with it. I'm going to play fantasy yeah. stuff with it. I'm going to do some superhero stuff with it. I just love this rule set. And that's, that's great, right? Uh, but they're in because they like that system, that rule set, and they're making it work for them for a bunch of different things. Um, for me, uh, I want the rule system and the game we're playing to mesh a little tighter, right? I'm, I'm looking for a feel too. Um, one is not better than the other. They're just two different things. You know, I like butter pecan ice cream. You might not. You might like, you know, uh, just plain old chocolate. Um, oh, okay. can I, I want to talk about an example there. So let's say you talked about, so the most popular rule set, I think it probably still remains the most popular rule set, is the one built out of the early work of Gary Gygax and the people who are transferring their little miniature fights and trying to adjudicate who wins in miniature wargaming on a table right. and then added in role-playing elements and fantasy elements and all that stuff. So there's a rule set that came out of that that's now been around for decades. Yes. And some people are still playing some variation of that. And so there is a system that uses that. So Gamma World is like yes. a post-apocalyptic world that is using the D&D rule set. Apocalypse right. World is also a post-apocalyptic world, a wildly different rule set. What to you is the different? Because you you played Gam you played Gamma World and you played Apocalypse World. They're both apocalypse games. So what difference do the rules make in those two things? So I would still today sit down and play either one of those games, right? Uh, Me too. We're gonna get two different feels out of those two games, right? Uh, I think Gamma World we're gonna get a combat focused game, right? Uh, a lot of shenanigans, right? Uh, like crazy zany sh shenanigans, and they're probably born out of combat, right? And this is just running it out of the box, right? Uh, assuming everyone's got the same skill set, right? Nobody's bringing anything extra to the table, right? This is Gamma World, right? And it's fun, and it's probably going to have more of a enhanced board game feel to it. Um, we so does that mean if, if, if right? So if is combat starts, even if you don't have miniatures you're going to be thinking about everything's going to, all the combat slows down because right. now instead of just us kind of talking through what people do, I say something, you say something, we walk somewhere, we pick up something, we put it down. Now it's combat and now there are stakes. And so now everything slows down because there right. are stakes. And my characters in Gamma World, they have kind of goofy, silly things they can do. And they're kind of, some of the characters are kind of goofy and silly. So goofiness and silliness, and as you said, shenanigans is going to erupt out of that. Right. Yes. And, and some nights, I'm in the mood for that. That's just what the doctor ordered. I'm all over that, right? Um, and it's, it's a fun time. It's good stuff, right? I like, I like it. it. Yeah. Um, Apocalypse World is, uh, I feel, well, no, I'm not even going it's, to, it's, it's more grown up. Uh, it's it's uh, rated R uh, at, the, at, the, at the floor, right? At the minimum, it's rated R, right? Uh, it's Mad Max on some steroids, right? And uh, a lot of the narrative things that you do have mechanical weight to it. Uh, so when you say, hey, uh, that stranger that just walked into town, uh, he looks a little funny to me. I want to I wanna check him out a little closer. 
uh, I don't, I'm not trying to be noticed, but I want to look him over and, and cause he looks funny to me. There's a, there's a test or check for that. Um, and that could go a couple of different ways, right? But it's going to move the fiction forward, right? Uh, it's going to create some complications if it doesn't work out well for you. If it works out well for you, you've got some choices you've got to make, right? And we're moving the fiction or the, the fictional space, the story forward. Uh, and combat works the same way. So things don't slow down. Everything's still as fluid as all the non-combat things. And again, everything has fictional consequence. So again, the story's still moving forward. They call it snowballing. Um, but that's what's happening is uh, the story space that we're in, it's all moving forward like, like a novel might. Um, and because it's apocalypse world, and like I said, rated R, uh, there's... There's drama, not shenanigans. Does that make sense? Well, I want you. I want you to describe. Tell me what you mean. What is the difference? What makes that rated R? And what makes perhaps the other rule set, the way people play Dungeons and Dragons, or the way people play Gamma World? Mm -hmm. Why does that make that PG or PG thirteen? If you know you got crazy teenagers at the table, what's right, what's right. making the difference there? Uh, I think one Apocalypse World. I think is engineered uh, for an adult uh, table, right? right. Uh, there are, there's a thing in there called the sex move, right? Um, and it doesn't, I mean, that sounds raw and I think it's meant to be raw, right? Uh, if, if I'm talking to a non-gaming person, I would say that they're, uh, intimacy moves, right? Uh, it doesn't have to be physical sex, right? Uh, but, but that happens a lot in that game, right? That alone makes it a rated R game, right? Yeah. Uh, death is a real thing, right? right. Um, so uh, you could have a favorite contact in a bar that you go to see, right? And you're having a conversation and maybe a series of roles go wrong. And now that, that contact that you have is a dead piece of meat on the floor, right? Um, yes. Done, right? right. Uh, and that could happen in one role. That's not like an hour of combat, right? That could be, uh, yeah, that could be one role, right? That went sideways and now yeah. you've got to make some choices, right? And it's always choices, right? Choices of people are making these choices. It isn't arbitrary, and one of those choices or non-choices, I didn't choose to protect him, and because I didn't choose to protect him, he could be smoked. They're gone, right? Um, so let me, I, I, let me ask you, because I love you introduced, you started talking about choice. There has been, for decades, the evolution of how these games are played. So there are a number of things happening at every table. There's, there's a game master or a storyteller or somebody who's kind of kicking off, kicking off the adventure. And that person either runs all the rules or some of the rules. And then there are players usually playing a single character. Right. And then they're making choices for that character. And then there's the rule set. And those three things kind of interact. You have the person who's running, you have the rule set, and you have the people. When you talk about choices, there are some games, they talk about railroading, where the person running it, like Lord of the Rings, it's like if we were playing Lord of the Rings and it needs to, sh it needs to happen just as it happened in Lord of the Rings with only small variations, you must go from X mountain range to X city. That is mandated. It has to happen because of the, the stories, on, stories on rails. Mm -hmm. um, what is your, how do you run these games? How do, the, how do you like the players and the rule set and the person running the game to interact? Who gets to decide the narrative and the story for you? So, so this... Uh a big trend over the last few years, uh, maybe even yeah. decade, toward more table collaboration. Uh, so the GM has less of a role of the story and it's shared among all the players, which includes the GM. 
uh, I would say growing up, it wasn't that way, right? When I first started D&D, <laughs> I go to the table, here's the dungeon, here's what I'm going to do to you, right? Here's how I'm going to do it to you, right? And all you have is that D20 to protect yourself, right? Maybe, right? Uh, and that's, I think, when we say railroading, that's kind of where I'm at, is that the GM has a plot in his head already or story. It could be loose, right? Maybe an outline. Or it could be, right, he's got this whole script, right? And I've yes. been in both games. And I've been in the game where you're just an actor in his script. And I've been in the game where he's got these uh, outline points, these bullet points that he's running through, right? Um, I don't like those games. And I, I've walked away from that style. Uh, it doesn't scratch the same itch for me. Um, and again, I'm not, it's not bad, wrong fun. Um, if you have a table and everybody enjoys that, some folks just want to show up and I want to be entertained and that's cool. Um, that's not for me. Uh, I'm in the table collaboration, uh, where we're all making decisions about what game we're playing, how, what the tone is of that game, um, how long we're going to play. Right. Uh, and then in there, so a lot of these new games is I have my players concern right? If I'm a player, here are the things I care about. But I also have some input into the game world that we're playing and the trend for these new games, Apocalypse World included. Uh, the player has input on the world. Uh, some of the in-the-game moves also change the world as we're playing it or reveal parts of the world that we didn't know about before as we're playing it. Um, as opposed to, I know, as you, you've talked about, I played with a D&D Dungeon Master only once or twice years ago, didn't like the game. He had developed an entire world of his own. So all the things that were in that world, every bar, every army, every tree, every continent, every wow. creature, he decided that thing was there and the players didn't have any input into that. So that was, and the problem is there'd been so many stories that run through it. It really, everybody felt like a bit player in this world of giant just far more powerful people. And I think some people, it's really satisfying. Again, if you get to be a member of, you know, an army in Lord of the Rings in the yeah. game, that's enough for some right. people. For some people, it's like, I don't, I'm just getting pulled place to place, rolling some <laughs> dice to see if I die, but what I do doesn't really impact anything. Right. Uh, and I like, so uh, I, I like the, there's moments in games and I'm chasing them like a dragon. Uh, new players, old players, it doesn't matter. There's moments in games where folks are doing their thing, right? They've got some uh, authority in the game and uh, the synergy, I hate that word, but the synergy happens and uh, we're in some new space, right? Uh, and we're all there and it's happening and uh, it's off the rails, right? We're going to a new place. It's not zany and the light bulbs come on for everybody and we're jamming and I love it. And no one saw it coming sitting down that night. I've had con games where, because again, these days, uh, when I sit down, I don't have, I don't have a plot. The plot is what's left after we're done playing three or four hours, right? And we look back, that's, that's the plot. And I didn't sit down with that. I sit down with, if it's, a, if it's a regular game, I'll show up with what has happened and what the bad guys, the neutral parties, the other factions are doing right, right. now. That's all I know, right? Uh, and then... Uh, that interacts with what the players want to do and uh, and where they're going. And they may go to, to a place that I have not written out or done anything with and we haven't touched. It might go someplace new. And then that's where collaboration happens. So if you're like, hey, we're going to Chicago and we've been playing in Baton Rouge for the last four or five weeks, 
when we get there, I'm asking questions. So where are we going to Chicago, right? Uh, what are you looking for when you get there? Uh, do, do you know Joe in Chicago, right? How do you know Joe, right? We're having, I'm asking as we're playing and they're filling in the blanks or something might pop and I may just fill it in. Uh, but we will go with the rules first. A lot of times there are uh, procedures for figuring that stuff out. And the trend for new games today is to make some type of mechanical test and either the players decide or the GM decide or some collaboration in between the two. Usually now, because I have some experience at a table like that, I will ask uh, the first 30 minutes, hey, what has everybody played? And I go around the table, I want to answer from everybody. Um, I want an answer from everybody. I'm more friendly at the table, so it doesn't feel what it sounds like. Uh, yeah. And then uh, I ask them if they've ever played this game that I'm about to run. And, uh, and again, I'm looking at who has played, who hasn't this game. And then I kind of want to, in my mind, mentally pair these folks off, the experienced people with the inexperienced people, because that helps lighten the load at the table, right? Um, but if you that, had your choice running a game, mm -hmm. oh, I was just going to ask, if you had your choice running a game, would you prefer to run a game with four people who've uh, played this rule set for 10 years and are super into it? Or would you prefer to run a game uh, of people who never played this game before and it's all going to be introductory? How do those feel different? So those are different. My favorite used to be, give me the experienced players every time. <laughs> but something, something happened to me uh, maybe two years ago at PAX. Um, I think it was their winter PAX in Philly. And, and is that a vi that's video gaming and tabletop and kind of... This one was PAX Unplugged. So it was mostly all the analog tabletop okay. stuff. There certainly was some okay. computer stuff there, but I think they were pushing more tabletop games. Um, oh, funny it. enough, uh, I was on the schedule to run Burning Wheel. And when I checked, I had five people at the table. And I thought, okay, awesome. Okay. And I didn't know any of those folks, right? But I'm like, cool, uh, we'll make it work. I've run it. I've run it for newbies before. That's not a big deal. Uh, so it'll be fine. Um, when I actually got to the table, uh, there were three people, right? And they were sitting pretty close together, right? And uh, as I'm looking at them, it's uh, in my head, it's mom, dad, and the son, right? And, and it plays out exactly like that when I ask and I get there. Um, and we do this, right? We're, we're painting pictures in our head as, as we see folks. Uh, I set my stuff down and I said, uh, I'm gonna grab some coffee. We got two more people that are coming and then we'll get started. And uh, they tell me, no, those two guys were here. Uh, they sat down and we talked for a little bit and they left and they're not coming back. I'm like, huh, that's some strange ass shit. Cause I don't even know. <laughs> not I'm gonna feel like, do they not like me? Did they figure out it's Matt J and I don't wanna play with him? I, I don't, I don't. That was hard, right? So I grab my coffee and that's weighing on my head and that's bugging me. I'm frustrated. Uh, it's all internal stuff. I sit down and I start talking with this family. And I said, all right, cool, man. Uh, where are you guys from? You know, uh, what brings you out here? Uh, have you uh, played? Uh, no, so I said, have you, have you played Burning Wheel before, right? And they're like, no, this is, uh, this is the first time we played this game. I'm like, cool, what made you play this? What made you pick Burning Wheel, right? Do you have it at home? No, no, we don't have it at home. This is our first role-playing game ever. I'm like, holy crap. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you haven't played D&D or, or uh, and I named some other stuff. And like, no, this is it. This is the first time we've ever played a role-playing game, ever. 
And I'm like, but you play board games before? Oh, yeah, we play card games, we play board games. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Why, why'd you pick this game, right? And they said, well, we, we told the people out front when we were signing up, right, that uh, we're looking to play, you know, a role-playing game. This would be our first one. And uh, we haven't played anything before. What would they recommend? And they said, hey, we're going to put you in Jamal's game because, uh, right, uh, he's, he's good. And, you know, you, he'll take care of you. And they put you in this game. So I explained to them uh, where Burning Wheel is on the scale or spectrum of things. Um, but I've, you know, I've taught this, I've run this game for newbies hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And you don't have to give them everything, right? Um, so we pretty much, you've played Burning Wheel before. So we stuck yes. with the versus system where you build your dice pools and it's dice pool versus dice pool, right? We do a lot of that. And you get the dice through narrative options, right? You're saying, I'm doing this, or I want to do this thing, and I'm going to use this skill to do it, right? There's a little negotiation yeah. about that, and, and we're off to the races. We played four hours, right? And they were in, right? They were so, 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 so deep. I caught them later uh, at the vendor hall buying two books of Burning Wheel from the Burning <laughs> Wheel booth, right? Uh, and I knew they were in because at, at the halfway point, the dad asked, hey, is this hard to run? What you're doing over there, right? Is that is that difficult? Is that hard? And uh, and I knew that he's thinking about I'm, I'm gonna have to run this for from my people when we get home. And, <laughs> right. Uh, I said no, no, it's not. I said there's some failure stuff, but you guys can all fail together. It's like learning a new board game. And I said and if you stay in the first 100 pages of the book, there's a page in there. It says stop reading, right? Go make some characters and play with what we gave you so far. 100 pages. That's it, right? Knock that out, and you can start playing. And, and just add the other stuff as you need it. And uh, they were in. They were hooked. And at that point, I, I, uh, like I said, for me, their happiness, their, their, their joy, and I was a part of that. Uh, that was it. I'm like, I will run this game or other games for new people all the time uh, just to see them light up when they get it, right? And there were several moments yeah. of that when they got it. And they were working together. And there was, I know they got it because at some point, there's, uh, the kid, I forget why, uh, he made a suboptimal choice, and that's when I know you have it, right? Uh, a suboptimal choice is I could uh, buff everything to get all the dice I could possibly get and, and, and blow this thing out, or I can make this suboptimal choice because I want something else. I'm trying to do something different, right? Uh, not because it's different, because I'm going to get a different thing out of it. That could, I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but Burger will let you do that, right? Um, the most obvious choice is when you're trying to improve your skills, you need a certain amount of successful tests and you need a certain amount of failure tests. Yeah, you have to fail to, right. to boost your skill or to get right. what you want. Uh, and even for the successes, sometimes you've got to push to get that specific type of success. And, uh, and that could mean you, you might fail that one or not, right? And I forget what it was, but he made a choice that was suboptimal. And his dad was like, whoa, 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 why would you do that? And the kid just smiled, right? Because he read his sheet. He knew what he was doing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right? Because at that point, I knew he read through. the. And I tell folks, hey, look, read your traits. Read the life path. That's kind of the story of the character where he's come along. You're going to fill in the gaps. That's kind of the big picture overview, right? Um, look at the skills. Um, for any of the skills, assume you have the tools for that. Uh, that's, how I, that's how I run Burning Wheel for, for new folks. And, uh, and there are certain things, Easter eggs or whatever in there. Because, again, if a, an experienced group of folks show up, I also want to make sure they've got stuff in there that they can work with, too. 
And uh, this kid caught on to something. And when he made that choice, I'm like, all right, I know he read up this far and he understands some things. So I know what he's doing. And that was awesome. Uh, and I like those moments. You, you get different moments with experienced folks, but that, that was pure, I get it. Uh, and I'm gonna show you I get it kind of moment. And that was beautiful. How does it feel to, do you, do you have wildly different feelings at wildly different times about running a game or do you get a regular kind of rush or enjoyment out of running? Or is it really a, you have a wide spectrum of feelings you've had when you ran games? No, it's, it's all the same and it sucks. Cause, uh, like, uh, up the closer I get to run time, the more I don't want to run it. Right. The more that I don't want to play, uh, I want to call it off. Uh, maybe it's just anxiety. I don't know what it is. It's always the same. It doesn't matter who I'm running games for. Right. Uh, I just don't feel like it. Right. Um, I think that's the surface is I don't feel like it. I think underneath there somewhere is maybe some anxiety and I don't know where that comes from because I've done this. I don't know a long time. So I don't know why that still happens to me. Right. Um, so at this point I blew it off. I, uh, it's a Zen thing. I recognize it and I let it go and I keep going. Right. Yeah. Um, but when I sit down and we start playing, when that first conversation starts going, uh, then the mood and everything shifts. Right. Uh, and then I'm in, right. And then as folks start tuning in and we start having to, we're starting to collaborate and, uh, uh, interact back and forth. Right. Uh, the more in I get, right. Um, and then my high is, uh, only capped by the, the table's high. Right. Um, if everyone's firing and bringing their A game, right. I will step up, man. And it's automatic, right. I, it just happens and I'm in there. So I've never, I've had games where I think I was like the last game of the night. I ran three games at Gen Con. It was the last game and I was worn out, but in my head, I know that I've been there before and, and I was so worn out. I wasn't even having any anxiety thing. Right. I sat down, I uh, got a salad in me. I got yeah. some iced tea. It was mutant year zero. I was running and I went to the table. I'm like, this is my last table. I'm gonna run it. Uh, I'm gonna try to short it. Uh, I'm gonna try to wrap it up in three hours instead of four, maybe three, three and a half. Some table talk. Then I'm gonna go get me a Manhattan, and then I'm going to bed. And uh, <laughs> that game went four and a half hours, right? Um, and then I went drinking with these people afterwards. Uh, there was so, so much, much energy right at the table after that. And uh, um, and that's yeah, that's how it goes. Um, you talk to a lot of people with your podcast and the writing and stuff you do right now. If I, if I were to say who helps you run these games, who are, it, it, does it feel like just you? Who are the people who, or, or the help you, where do you get your help? Who helps you do this? Ooh, I might have to have you unpack help. I'm not sure what you mean. Well, normally I think somebody says like, let me, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, I talked to somebody who did ballroom dancing, Correct. the biggest help was her teacher and her dance partner. But you oftentimes, this is a, the person who runs the game, the per, is oftentimes a singular person. Occasionally right. there are co-people. Yeah. You do a lot of table collaboration, but there's one person who is responsible in one way or another for making sure that this game happens at the table and that's you. Do you feel like it's a solitary activity or there you have the support system of either people you, you wouldn't be able to do it if you didn't have these people to talk to or whatever, or do you like it because it is a solitary activity? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it is a good chunk of it is solitary activity. Um, and that's not, yeah, that's not my in there. Um, 
Most of it is me. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the, the framing feels weird for me. So there's inspirational stuff, right? There's conversations with you. There's conversations with other game folks, right? Um, there's uh, media. So I just wrote a piece about the Transformers, right? Um, I grew up with the, the Transformers as a kid. I didn't like the Michael Bay movies, but there was a scene because it was on in the background, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I didn't like them because of the rendering of the robots. It didn't, the, I didn't like the aesthetic, right? That, that was it. Um, so I couldn't get into it. I would bounce off the movie. But there was a scene in one of them that grabbed me. I'm like, man, that's hot. That's a hot premise. I would play that game, right? And so then I wrote up my piece because I'm like, well, what would I use, right? What game would I use? And I have a lot of different games. I've seen a lot of different games. I went looking around. Is there a game already, right? Uh, why isn't there a Transformers game, right? Um, here's what I would do, right? And, uh, and so then I run down that hole, right? right. I, I, I do that thing, right? Um, I think, though, uh, I'm going to beat the hell out of the jazz analogy is uh, for me, I got games going on right now. Like tonight, we'll start an Ars Magica game, and that is a medieval period game where the main characters are uh, super high-level wizards, right? You play those guys, but you also play their companions, um, their sidekicks, and then you play the also ordinary uh, coven folk, like the the people that uh, maintain the the tower or the facility that you live in. It's a big, big game. Um, I'm running it. There is some heavy lifting when you're the the one in charge of facilitating the game. There's getting the folks uh, together for that. We call it the zero session, where we talk about, is there going to be a game or not, right? Are we doing this? Um, yeah. What are we doing? Uh, what's the schedule look like? What's the timetable? Um, here's what you need. Here's my expectations. So there's some inertia, right, that I got to get pushing and moving. Um, if you're there with experienced players, uh, especially if they've ran games, that's a lot easier because they get what you're trying to do and they help you. Um, but if it's all players and they've never run anything, uh, then they're looking at you for direction, right? And you're having to get that initial push going. Um, for me, uh, if I get them to buy in, that makes it easier too. So that's why we're having a conversation because I need them to buy in. That means they've got to give me some input and we've got to do something with that. So I think, it's, I think the help is always the different people at the table. And my job is to get them to help me uh, define what we're going to do, right? It can't be, here's my story, here's my game. Um, it's it's got to be a collaborative thing, especially now since we're all online. Um, everyone's got to do their part to make it happen, to make it work. And uh, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what else. Yeah, that's where my head is, is that when I'm doing the lonely stuff, I think everyone else is also thinking about their next moves, what they're trying to do for the next game. And I'm just setting up where we're going to start. If it's cold, right? If it's a cold start, what, do I, what am I running with? Um, or are we going in hot? And if it's hot, what else can I play with? If, if all of this sounds interesting to somebody, what do you think, where do you point people? Like that first group you had where you, you did Burning Wheel with that mom and the dad and the kid and then found out that, oh, you thought that dad, and they're going to continue on. What do you tell people if all this sounds interesting? How do you... How do you get started in this? What, what advice do you give people about where they should go? Uh, I will, I, and I told those folks, hey, uh, when you get home, right, look around your neighborhood. Go to your friendly uh, 
local game store and you might have to look at two or three or four, right? I say that as a uh, almost 50 year old black man. Uh, there's some game stores I just won't roll up into, right? Um, women will tell you yeah. the same thing, right? There's some that are, whoa, I, I don't belong in there, right? Yeah. And, and I won't go in there. Uh, tabletop gaming hobby, we're lucky here in Kansas City. It's been here like 100 years. Uh, I know Phil. I knew Phil before he had the store. Uh, it's an awesome space. He goes out of his way to make it family friendly and safe. I love that place. Yeah. Um, and I tell people that, right? Especially at conventions. I, 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 I talk about Phil's store and I said, look around your town. It's got to be one, right? Find that store. Uh, get in with those owners and they will help you, right? If they're like my store and I got to believe they are, right? Uh, a good one is uh, they will help you get into the hobby and figure out where to go next, right? Uh, and from there, you will get like internet resources and all that other stuff. But I always say, start local, man. Start with your local game store because they'll have, well, before the pandemic, they'll have game nights that you can go to and learn other games and play other games without having to plop money down for those things, right? Or they can point you in, oh, you like Burning Wheel, you're playing this with your family, you only play with your family. You might try this other game, right? Uh, or have you looked at this, right? Um, and you can't beat that, man, that person-to-person that -person interaction. And I, I, I think that this is what this is about, right, is we, we get together. It's a social thing, and I love it. You can't beat that. So that's interesting. I know, um, so I think back when I was a shy... 18 and you know I started playing these games on computers and then slowly went to some face-to-face -face. Um, and today with so much opportunity for online stuff you're I mean if somebody's not comfortable they're not comfortable but you think the best connection is probably going to a physical place with people face-to-face -face instead of like trying oh try a game on yeah try a game online first yeah no I would say face-to-face uh, -face. Um, okay Again, you know, we're in this pandemic age, so that's harder. Um, I think online, even with, uh, we're finding this out now, and even folks who have experience playing games live, they're having some trouble making the jump to playing games online. Uh, there's a bunch of different factors happening there. You can't read the table, right? It's a different read, right? Um, the software, as we saw this morning, sometimes gets in the way. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, there's a different performance thing happening there than in real life. Um, the dice feel different, right? Uh, there's a bunch of different, so it's a different medium for playing these games is what I would say. And yeah. uh, um, I think the onus then, if you're new, um, your experience could be marred one by someone who's still trying to figure out uh, their groove for online because that'll be different than how I run a game online is way different than how I run it in person, and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit down and play a game with you online for four hours. I'm trying to do it in two two and a half. I can't sit there for four hours, but I will sit at the table in in a, at a convention space for four or five hours and we'll game. I've done that. I've I've, I've played Burning Wheel at Origins a couple of years back six hours. Wow. We had dinner, drinks, everything. Just six hours, just playing. Engaged the whole time, everybody. Right. Uh, every time I talk to you about this stuff, I get re-inspired to re-engage <laughs> with the hobby. So I appreciate it. <laughs> no, you're welcome, man. I, like I said, I love gaming with you. Uh, you, you, bring, uh, you bring the spice to the game, man. Uh, and we love it. We love it. So. This is.
is Jamal, and uh, he writes role-playing games. He plays role-playing games, and uh, right now he's working on getting paid to run role-playing games. 